Welcome to Dr. Zoe Today, where the topics are always real, raw, and relevant about love, sex, and relationships. Warning, do not listen to this show if you are sensitive to controversial issues or easily offended. Dr. Zoe and her guests are not to be held liable for any shock, pissing of the past, sudden desire of change, or uncontrollable laughter. Now, here's your host, Dr. Zoe. to Dr. Zoe today. Tonight, we're going to get up close and personal with Thomas Beatty, the pregnant man. You may have seen him on Oprah, Barbara Walters, and a plethora of other shows. Recently, he's been on TMZ, but we're not going to talk about that. I love all my LGBT Uh (laughs) fans and listeners. And for all you straight folks out there, we're going to teach you the difference between transsexual and transgender, who has balls, who doesn't have balls, and the ones who do are going to stay tuned and listen to this amazing interview. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. I just love you. I think you're amazing. You're so interesting, Thomas. Is there a website or something where my listeners can keep up with what you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah, I have a website. It's called definenormal.com. And from there, I have links to social media like my Facebook and Twitter and, and all that jazz. Awesome. Awesome. So definenormal.com. Perfect. So we're going to get right into it tonight. Um, you were born in 1974 as a girl named Tracy, correct? I was born as Tracy, yes. Okay. And where were you born? I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, so I was born and raised there on Oahu. What were your parents like, Thomas? What what did they do for a living? My father was an architect contractor, and my mother was uh, a teacher. She taught special education. Okay. And um, did you have any brothers and sisters? I had an older brother from my father's side, and he was 13 years older. He still is 13 years older. And I have a younger brother. (laughs) He's five years younger, and uh, he's a full-blooded sibling. They still live in Hawaii, and I I jumped ship. I went to the mainland, as they call it. Yeah. Um, What kind of kid were you in school? Like, how would you describe yourself, like, as a school, like, in school as, like, an elementary student? Elementary, I was really into sports. Um, I I liked academics. I liked math and science. Um, I liked art as well. I liked to draw a lot because my father was an artist as well, but um, pretty competitive. Uh, I had friends. I had some some girlfriends, and um, I didn't I didn't really hang out with the guys, but I played a lot on the field. I played soccer. I was into martial arts. Um, quite a bit actually and continued on into my adulthood okay so you lost your mother when you were about 12 is that correct that's correct okay how did how did did your mom pass away well it's a long story but um she she got a shot of a medication of penicillin that she was allergic to and she just she wasn't herself. She uh, kind of spiraled into a depression and ultimately uh, committed suicide when I was 12. So how did that change the family dynamic? So it's you and two two brothers and your dad, correct? 
my older brother was already out of the house, but it was just me and my my younger brother. My father, he, I mean, you can imagine uh, losing a parent at that age should turn my life upside down. And uh, when I, I, I mean, I saw the words coming out of his mouth. I didn't really hear them, and it didn't set in, you know. He said the words, um, and I didn't believe them. And then I just started sobbing, and my younger brother saw me, and he started crying too and he, I, I don't even know if he knew what he was crying about you know and it, it, the reality just didn't really hit us so it was you, it was hard on all of us and so you were 12 and, so you were 12 and your brother was about seven because he's five years younger is yeah. that yeah okay yeah he was and turning eight yeah that's tough that's tough I lost a parent I lost my father when I was eight and I mean, it just totally, you know, it changes everything when you lose a parent. And your mom was probably fairly young as well because you were you were pretty young. So she lost her life at a pretty young age. Um, how did things change around the house after that? Well, my father worked, my mother worked, but back then, you know, my mother took on a lot of the, the household responsibilities, as a lot of women still do today, but... You know, she cooked, she cleaned, she she was basically like a servant, and I feel so bad to this day. She cooked us, you know, three square meals and just basically tied the home together. And when she left our family, my father didn't know what to do. I mean, he was beside himself. He hired a nanny, you know, he had some girlfriends, and, I, you know, I didn't know what to do either because I hadn't gone through that phase where I could bond with my mother in that way, you know. So it was hard, and I think that, um, like, for, for myself, I kind of uh, pulled away a little bit, and I got a little bit more introverted and focused on my studies because yeah. I, I knew that I ultimately had to provide for myself, that, you know, no, no one was going to do that for me. But I, I feel bad. It really shattered our family. Right. I, I wish things were different, obviously. Now- Thomas, you know that I'm the confidential coach and I counsel people for a living and I know a lot of people out there are probably curious and I want this interview with you to be a lot different than your other interviews. I want you to be, you know, totally free to just be authentically yourself and and speak your heart. But do you feel like it was around this time that you went through like a shift or a change that you wanted to be a boy or was it before that? You know, I've I've thought about this, and and no, the the two things people might want to peg that as a reason for a transition. But when my mother was still around, I was still I was such a tomboy, and uh, there was this play that I had that I was a part of in in the elementary school, and I tried out for the the lead male role and got it. So, you know, that that was way prior to my to my mother committing suicide. Okay, what was your first recollection of thinking, I wish I had a penis? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it's a weird question, but I'm just, you know, I'm curious. I know that, you know, people are curious, and I don't think that, you know, you've really been able to um, express yourself or articulate. communicate. Yeah. yeah. Like, what well, is, when did you, you know, think, You're the first like, person who... who <laughs> Yeah, well, it was like, May seventh, nineteen eighty six, at seven p.m. I thought to myself, <laughs> "No, but like, no, what is, no like how you remember back? Like, you know, like I'm sure when you're a little girl, you go to like slumber parties, and we, I mean, or you had, you said you had a lot of girlfriends, like friends that were girls. 
were you attra- were you secretly attracted to the girls at the slumber parties? No, I was secretly attracted to my babysitters. <laughs> okay. You know, Females, though, right? When you're young, when you're young, like for me, I didn't think about sex. When when, when right, I was a kid, right. I didn't think about parts like that. I mean, I I used to run around without my shirt on, um, just like my brothers and other boys did, and I didn't think twice about it until people started looking at me differently. Like at about seven and eight, I'd be at the beach or I'd be at a pool. And then people were looking at me like I was missing something. Well, it was my shirt. And I and then I started to feel self-conscious. And so I started to wear a shirt. And, you know, right about that okay, time, wait, I realized I have to that. interrupt you. I have to interrupt you. I was raised by two hippies. My parents were total hippies. And I was running around naked on the beach at 7 and 8 without a shirt, too. But, like, and I want to do it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, I, you know, so I don't think that that's that odd. You know what I mean? It just, like, depends on oh. how your family is about that kind of True. stuff. True. You know what I mean? And, where and it you depends on up, if like, everybody's wearing shirts. Yeah, and, like, we always lived on the water, and, you know, we had a house at the Jersey Shore, and trust me, it wasn't like it is now, but, you know, I remember being a little kid running around without a shirt all the time when I was, like, seven and eight, so that's not, like, a, that's, like, a huge thing. I didn't start getting boobs until I was, like, 11 or 12, but, okay, so. Yeah, when did you put a shirt on? When did you start wearing a shirt? (laughs) I think around, I think around that age, probably, seven or eight, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I still like to go topless, so I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. All right. Back to you. So, I mean, so you said you were attracted to your babysitters. So females, right? So you're a girl and you're you're attracted to, to females. Now, you have said to make your dad happy, you entered into beauty competitions, and you did quite well. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, my father, uh, I mean, still to this day, he, he has ideas of what men should be and what women should be and he still has a really hard time calling me by my my legal name now thomas which has been this way for 13 years um but back then you know i wanted what kid doesn't want their parent proud of them and my father was the only parent that i had left right and um you know he like when I remember he went off to Asia, he was on a business trip and he brought back, he was so proud of himself. He went to some flea market or something and brought back tons of leather, like vests and skirts and really tight, like vinyl stuff. I'm thinking I was grossed out, number one. And how old were I was you? like, oh my how God, you? you know, uh, how old was I? Probably 13. Okay. 13. That might so be a different like, issue. Try this stuff on, you're going to look beautiful on this. <laughs> Right. No, but he he wanted me to look a certain way. He wanted, I think, he wanted me to to catch the perfect guy to take care of me, you know. Mm-hmm. And he didn't realize that I wanted to be that perfect guy <laughs> to take care of myself, you know. So yeah. he, you know, I felt pressure. I felt pressure. I lost my mom. I, I wanted him to be proud of me. So I I gave it a shot. I did a. Um, I, I enrolled in a modeling school and I did a pageant. I did Miss Teen Hawaii USA and I was a finalist. And I just remember the pressure and how awkward I felt. And it was just so surreal. I can still remember it to this day, walking out on stage and, you know, <laughs> kind of quivering in my heels. And, and just uh, my, my face ached for, for like days afterward because I was smiling that, that plastic yeah. smile. And, my, yeah. and my, I didn't realize I had muscles in my face there yeah. and they were so sore. 
It's know? like when you laugh a lot, but, yeah. and my face hurts after I laugh a lot. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. But that's a good hurt. That's a good hurt. But yours was fake. Yours was forced, so it wasn't a good hurt. Yeah, it was forced. It was fake. Yeah. But I tried it, and, uh, you know, it. I just realized it wasn't me. That it was. That was a costume. Yeah, I didn't. I think far removed from my normal life. I would never dress like that in, in real life. I never. I didn't own a dress. I mean, my mom tried to put me in dresses. Oh really? And you hated dresses. I I hate dresses too. Mm-hmm. I, I hated dresses. I think because I went to private school and I had to wear them for so many years. And nylon stockings. Oh my gosh, I hate wearing them to this day because I had to wear them every single day. So like, I don't like to, unless they're like sexy stockings, and I want to rip those suckers off as soon as I can. But if I have a good tan, I will not wear any stockings. Trust me. I so I get that. All right. So you hated dresses. Mom wanted to wear dresses and stuff. You did these pageants and everything how old were you when you started dating mm, I dated a few guys in high school um, my junior my you know, freshman year I dated a guy um, Byron Spicer if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> well he I passed him a note I never said his name out loud wow anyway I passed him a note in class I, I think we're in history class and I said check this box do you like me yes or no and we're already dating for like a couple of weeks and then he he checked no and he oh sent it gosh. back and I was, I was mortified and I somehow obtained a uh, a carton of little little tiny carton of milk and poured it over his head. Oh I was my so gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm so glad you poured the milk over his head, and that's horrible. I yeah. can't imagine. That's like dramatic as a how kid. How dare he? Yeah, how dare he? That's crazy. So traumatizing. You started, so you started dating in high school, and when did you yep. lose your virginity? Who was it? Was it with that guy? No, no. I, gosh, I was actually. 17 and I had graduated high school early I graduated two years early I was in college by that point and I was taking martial arts and it was my martial arts instructor I had been seeing him and uh, I lost my virginity to him he was 18 years older than me he was 35 wow he's 35 and you're how old 17 wow okay Okay, so I'm going to ask you this, and again, I want you to be as candid as you possibly can and as honest as you feel comfortable with. Um, Was there any kind of sexual abuse in your childhood or, like, with one of these babysitters, was there any sexual experiences before that? I wish. Virginity? (laughs) (laughs) With the babysitters? (laughs) No, sadly, no. No sexual no, there's, abuse. There's no, no molestation. No sexual like abuse. No molestation. Nope. Okay, because you know that's really, no, just, really uh, common with all of us. Not, you know, not just right. anybody, but it's common with everyone. You'd be shocked. Okay, so you're 18 years old, and you are, so you lose your virginity to this guy that's 35. How was it? Did you enjoy it? And when you, you went on to have sex with men for a little while after that, right? Well, I was with this guy for two and a half years. He, oh, okay. He proposed to me. I was supposed to marry him because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Right. But, and you're, you know, did your dad, did your I mean, dad like him? Yeah. I mean, because he was the guy that was going to take me away, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be his headache anymore. But, <laughs> no, it wasn't – it wasn't I, – I never had butterflies with him as much. I mean, I feel so bad. I wish I did. Um, but it was just rote. I mean, I just – 
I don't know. I now now knowing what it feels like to have the butterflies, it's like yeah. night and day. My yeah. first girlfriend, I I I fell in love. I mean, everything that you see in the movies, it's all that that hocus okay, pocus stuff. It was magic. Girls, before we get to the girls, when you were with guys and you're having sex with guys, you already God, you're making it sound like oh, I'm wait, a slut. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not making it sound like okay, let's say when you're in this guys. two you're in this two and a half year relationship and you're having um yeah. you're having straight sex and you still but like Thomas, you already at that age have had feelings that you're not who you're supposed to be, right? Like you already, like I asked you, you know, when's the first time you wish you had a penis, but you already felt, you felt uncomfortable doing the, you know, doing the beauty pageants. You already had a sense that it wasn't who you were, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but was the sex like fulfilling, like sexually, like were you having good orgasms and stuff like that? Well, I, I have good orgasms anyway by myself. I don't need someone else. But with with him, amen, it was just, you know, I, I took care of it. You know, I took yeah. care of business. I did what I needed to do. But I did it. I mean, if left to me, I would have never wanted to have sex with him ever. You know, I I, yeah. I detested it. I was actually grossed out by it. But I, I went through the motions because I, I wanted him to feel like that I cared for him, and that was okay. the way he wanted me to care for him. Got you. You know, but don't don't confuse the whole transgender feeling male as who you're attracted to. I mean, you get, there's so many trans men that are still attracted to men, right. and vice versa. There's so many trans women who are attracted to women. So, right. the having sex with another person didn't conflict with my my identity feelings. Okay, so when did you start being attracted to girls? I've always been attracted to girls um, since my earliest memories. I, you know, I had crushes on my babysitters, and then when I was in my teenage years, I, I got like the the butterflies around uh, one person in particular, um, and I didn't know what to do about it. And uh, and then she introduced me to a friend because I, I kind of confessed to her that I had feelings, and she introduced me to a bonafide lesbian, right? And and I hung out with this person and I was grossed out. Like I didn't like the person and was weirded out and it just that person wasn't right for me. Right. It didn't have anything right. to do with who I was attracted to. But um the relationship with Ron took me by surprise. Oh I said his name. Damn it. Um Okay. All right. John, John, yeah. <laughs> okay. John, yeah I'm sorry I meant John. <laughs> You're fine. As long as you don't say their last name, that's good. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. So okay. So first girlfriend for or first female sexual encounter. How old? Uh, that was my first girlfriend. I was 20, and um, it was at the, t- the tail end of my relationship with John. <laughs> <laughs> and things weren't working out because I realized that I was attracted to women. I, I realized I just, it, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be in, okay. in a loveless relationship. I mean, don't get me wrong. I did. I loved him, but I wasn't romantically in love with him. Got you. It was Got just you. comfortable, you know, okay, so and I, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to settle. 
Okay. Was there like a point that you remember or was it like when did you decide that you're going to do something about this? And, you know, was there a moment? Was there an epiphany? Was it something that happened in your life? Was it because of the unfulfilling relationship with that guy that pushed you to the point where you finally made the decision you're going to do something about it? Because at what age and at what point did you start taking uh, male hormones? Uh, well, there's there's two phases here. There's the whole sexual orientation, exploring, you know, being attracted to women, and then there's the identity as male. For um, being attracted to women, I realized that that's what I was attracted to. You know, I, I couldn't pretend anymore, and I wanted to, to fully realize it, you know. And so in college, um, there was a support group. It was a lesbian support group, and I went to it. And that was a little awkward, a little weird, but I, I met a friend that is still a dear friend today. Um, and I ultimately met my first girlfriend, and uh, she's, she's still, um, well, she, she's no longer living anymore, but she she was, God, you know, those were feelings that I'll probably never get back again. They, they were, you know, your first love, and okay. it, was, it was super special. How long was that relationship with her? It it was two and a half years. Yeah. And um, so, okay, so exploring your sexuality as far as being attracted to females, and then how do you phase into, I want to become a man? Well, um, I was still in college, and I was with my, my girlfriend, Christine, and I I told her how I felt. I was talking about things like I don't want these boobs anymore. You know, I wanna I wanna have them surgically removed. I want I want to start taking male hormones. I I want to transition. And those are just like really clinical words for her. And she had fallen in love with a woman, yeah. and uh, she didn't know how that was going to leave our relationship. Like. And what what would I look like? Who would I become? Would I still be the same person? Right. And she was really afraid. And I I understood her fears, you know. But I was just driven to this. I just like being attracted to women and needing to to find that out for myself and right. and explore that. I, I there was no no question for me. I, I as soon as I could afford it, I, I marched in and I had that surgery, and it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. Okay, but you the know, male, I, I the never male, second guessed it. The male hormones were first, though, right? Right. <clears throat> like yeah, I started, started that in the late nineties. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell my listeners, like, what kind of changes does your body go through when you start taking male hormones? Everything. From- you become an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like the testosterone, like you feel more aggressive, like like seriously, because there's so many people listening, Thomas, that this will help. Like what, so you're female at this point, you start taking the male hormones, what are some of the things that someone could expect if they were to do that? Well, for me, within the first three months or so, um, I started to grow, like sparse little hairs were popping out of my chin and stuff. And um, they looked ridiculous, <laughs> but I was so proud of them. And I'm I'm half Asian, so I'm not blessed with a whole lot of facial hair. So yeah. it looked ridiculous for a really long period of time. Um, 
But yeah, those changes, your skin's going to change. You're going to grow hair, thicker hair, more hair on your legs and your arms and places you don't expect like your toes and knuckles and, and possibly even your ears. So my, my, in college, my geneticist said, um, my genetics instructor said, there's no way it's on the Y chromosome, but I have ear hair now, you know, everything changes. Your voice starts to change. I have an Adam's apple. Um, I guess my shoulders got broader. Uh, the, the muscle on the body, like I was working out at the same time and I quickly put on muscle really quick. I put on 50 pounds in like a summer. Okay. So, All right. Um, so then the fun. breast, then you got your breast removed. How old were you when you had the breast removed? Right. I was 20, God, you have to make me, I'm doing math so right now. 20s, I don't know. I was 24. Yeah, okay. early 20s. All right, yep. and so what was that? You just had a mastectomy? Like, how does that work? You just went in and said, I want my breast removed. I saw a surgeon who specializes in that, Dr. Brownstein. Uh, he no longer practices anymore, but um, I was in San Francisco, and it's called chest reconstruction. Okay. It's basically a double mastectomy, but they, they contour the chest to look more masculine. And okay. as far as the nipples go, they... They take off the nipples, they reshape the nipples, they graft them back on. Uh, so it's it's a really um, a, a what was long your, what surgery. Was your re- what was your recovery time on that one? It took a long time. I remember I had uh, drainage tubes for a while. And, um, gosh, it's really painful moving around. You don't realize how much you use your chest. Yeah. Okay, so at what yeah. point do you legally change your name from Tracy to Thomas? I changed the legal, all legal documentation within about six months. So the surgery was in 2002, and then I, I um, was changing. I like I changed my my birth certificate, my driver's license, and then into and then I changed my social security index marker to male and uh, my passport. And then in 2003, I got legally married. Okay, so as a man. Speaking of that, you meet someone, you fall in love, and you guys got married. How long did you know her before you got married? I met her when I was young. I was 16, and we worked at the same gym. So I had known her for eight years. So she, time, oh gosh, okay, so yeah. she knew you as a female, and then you're making all these changes and then you got together, like, during the changes or after, or? It was kind of in the beginning part of the changes. I had already started transitioning socially. I hadn't done it legally yet. Okay. So uh, okay. people were already referring to me as male when I met her again. So I met her when I was 16. I went off to college. I came back and um, in 1998. Okay. Um, we, we got together. Okay, so something that people are really something that people are really curious about, and I don't think they've asked you. When um, you guys went on to get married, and was she dating men or women before she got together with you? Both. She was uh, very attractive, and she had a lot of guys after her. And I used to have a crush on her when I was much younger, but I I was too young, and I didn't think I had a chance with her ever. Um, but when I met, re-met her again after coming back for a while, she was in a relationship with a woman. 
Um, okay. She'd been in that relationship for a couple of years. So technically, I guess she's bisexual, but she prefers men. Okay. So you guys get married, and where did you get married? Hawaii, Honolulu. Okay. And when you decide to have children, why was it decided that you would carry the children? She had had a hysterectomy because she had severe endometriosis in her late 20s. Okay. So it was impossible for her to carry. And for me, I still had my internal reproductive organs. And um, I held on to them for that reason because I knew deep down inside one day I wanted to have biological children. Okay, so you still have the female reproductive organs, no breast, and you're taking male hormones. And then, obviously, the children were artificially inseminated. So when you guys go to the sperm bank to pick out a donor, like, what do you guys, what were you guys looking for? Were you picking certain features? Were you, and I'm sure you probably had to stop taking the male hormones too, right? Yeah, I'd been off of them for a year and a half or so. But uh, a lot of that also had to do with the fact that we couldn't find a physician to to help treat me because we'd been turned away so many times because doctors felt really uncomfortable working with me. Okay. So that's that's the sad part and the unethical part. But in finding a sperm bank, we it was one out of California, and they had an online database where we could search profiles. And everyone involved with that had a college education, so, you know, intelligence was important to us. And um, we wanted the children to look like it could be our child together. And, you know, uh, we we valued having a height, you know, so someone was a little bit taller. And uh, we chose someone with the same color eyes as uh, hers, like a blue-green. And... um, then, yeah, I mean, we, we saw a, a childhood picture of the donor at about maybe four years of age. Right. And he was cute, you know. And okay. actually, the boys today have, have two sons. They they look like him. <laughs> Do, uh, did you use the same so. donor for all three children? Yes, we did. And a lot of people don't think so because my, my daughter, my firstborn, Susan, looks like me. She She pulled a lot of the Asian out of me, and the boys look completely Caucasian. So wow. people think they have different donors and they they're 100 percent related okay i know your first pregnancy was unsuccessful correct yeah the first pregnancy was it yeah okay so now with the first successful pregnancy your daughter is that when you ended up getting all the media attention yes i when i was pregnant with susan uh see i think it was about five months pregnant with her when uh oprah contacted us to be on Okay. And it was just kind of a frenzy. I the whole how did all that get thing, started? How did it? How did they find out about you? How did it get started? Was it because of well, the be walking around being like you know the pregnant man or like what? How did it like? How did she find out about you guys? Well, what happened was I I had a first pregnancy that was unsuccessful. Right. But not before going to an emergency in our small town. I had an ectopic pregnancy, and it lasted a while where I had to go back and forth. And um, uh, the doctor said that I looked like I was pregnant with triplets. And, you know, I, I had to take uh, a chemotherapy medication to terminate the pregnancy and then have an emergency surgery and have my right fallopian tube removed along with the, the pregnancy. And it was it was pretty bad and emotional. 
and um, we we tried again months later, and um, going through that, I mean, people in our small town were already they already knew like the the receptionist boyfriend knew, and then it was getting back to us. I'm like, oh no, you know, this is this could get out of control. And yeah. meanwhile, we're dealing with questions that we have, like, what are we, how are we going to do this legally? You know, I, and I tried to research cases before me who, who had been legally male giving birth and what, what did it say on their baby's birth certificate and all this. And I just kept on coming up with dead ends and no one could answer those questions for me. And I'm like, there's gotta be someone else who's done this before me. And ultimately, I found out <laughs> that I was the first fully legal yeah. person as male to do this. And, you know, there were a lot of legal issues. So um, I wrote a letter to the advocate. They they asked me to write a firsthand article about it. And they said, and, and include a picture. So Nancy took a picture of me and um, that ran. And then as soon as that ran, I mean, <sighs> the world exploded. I mean, <laughs> Um, okay. Germany, Zimbabwe, I can't tell you, Japan, there are news reporters calling us, you know, like 50 different documentary companies wanting to do a documentary. Wow, wow. And it was crazy. I mean, we had we had uh, paparazzi showing up on our doorstep, and, you know, Oprah called. She, she wanted us on the show, and the tabloids were just going crazy with crazy stuff, you know, yeah. like I was giving birth to kittens and stuff like that. So I went on Oprah because... I wanted to set the record straight and, you know, say that, Hey, you know, just because I'm transgender and identify as male, there's nothing wrong with having your own biological child. Right. And so that was, that was my mission. And that's what I did. And, you know, the world, they listened. It was hard to wrap their brains around it. And there was, you know, a lot of negativity yeah. that ensued from it. But, you know, today I think it's, it's a little better. And I think there are, you know, there's so many more cases of trans men giving birth and, you know, it's really not such a big deal. You know, I just, I wanted to be. What was the most disappointing thing? What has been the most disappointing thing about the media attention? Well, as you know, you can't control the media. Yeah. And you, you have a story. You have your truth. You have right. things that you want to say. And to this day, there's still never been an interview that I've given where it hasn't been twisted or all of it has, you know, all the truth hasn't gotten out, you know, in some way, shape, or form, and or something so comprehensive that it just tells a story. And okay, I mean, some places like, are worse than others, do obviously. You, do you feel like you haven't been portrayed the way that you like to be portrayed then? Well, like, for example, um, the Oprah interview was great. But a lot of people saw it as sensational. And then a lot of people said that they thought that Barbara Walters' interview was really critical. And for me, I thought, first of all, I have mad props for Barbara Walters. I think she's an incredibly intelligent, um, caring person. And I had a four-hour interview with her. And, of course, you know, they do their thing and they chop it down. And I may not be answering to specific questions that she's asking in the moment. And um, she said a few harsh things, but I thought it was a really good interview, and I wanted more. You know, I, I wanted people to understand what we're going through and how difficult it was and how unfair it is today legally and just seeing the reaction from society. And I wanted her to go more into the legal stuff, and she was all about it too. I mean, it, it's, been, it's been a roller coaster for sure. 
Okay, so do you feel that the Barbara Walters interview was edited to kind of cut out some of that stuff? Um, at the end, she, the way she reacted uh, to she, she posed a question to me, and she said that people were really disturbed by my she image. That, she said that in the beginning of man. the. Didn't she say that in the beginning of the interview? Yeah, it could have been the beginning. Yeah, okay. when it aired. Yeah, she said this is disturbing, Thomas. This image. Yeah, because yeah, for, yeah I, I I saw briefly, and that was in the beginning. Is there anything right now, right here on Dr. Zoe today, that you'd like to say to America that you haven't gotten to say? Um, you know, I've, I've said a lot, and I. I feel better, you know, about society in general. Like before, when my first when my story first came out, I think out of the support group that I had, maybe point zero 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 one percent of the population understood uh, this issue. You know, being a transgender person or identifying as male and giving birth, and today. You know, maybe it's ten times better. So maybe point zero 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 one instead of six zeros, it's five zeros, right? Yeah. So there's there's some small changes in acceptance, and I guess I'm just a little frustrated by the lack of acceptance still today. Right. I mean, I once in a while I go onto the the tabloid sites, and there'll be an article about someone. Uh, transgender in the media and there's always the onslaught of that's a she you know or just blatant disrespect for people and you know you think living in 2015 that people would would catch up with times and and really respect people and it's just I guess we're not there yet and um yeah you know uh well let me tell you Thomas to make to make you feel better doing this show about love sex and relationships I mean it is very controversial, and I think in even other countries, I interview people from Australia and things like that, and, you know, I think even in other countries, it's a lot more um, advanced, you know, um, people are more open-minded, but I, you know, I yeah. think that you're right, it's just like with anything, with racism, with, you know, accepting um, people's sexual preferences, and then this is like another jump, you know what I mean, transgender, transsexual, yeah. that's all confusing to people. So right now I just want you to explain to my explain to my listeners what is the difference between transsexual and transgender? Tomato tomato. No. Yeah. Well technically yeah. transsexual <laughs> transsexual is when you have surgeries. Right. So you actually go through the medical transitioning. And transgender is just uh I hate to use this term, but they call it an umbrella term for for the whole gamut. So okay. you don't have to have had hormones. You don't have to have had surgery. You just simply identify as the sex of your choosing. And um, you know, a lot of I've I've read lots of debates about what I am. You know, no, he's not really transsexual because no trans true transsexual would want to give birth. He's transgender. You know, I'm transsexual. I've had the surgeries. You know, I'm fully um, the sex of my choosing. I'm full fully male. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a transsexual, but also, you know, transgender because it's under that umbrella. Okay. Something I want to touch on is there's a 10 foot marble statue of you in London. (laughs) I mean, oh my God, 
10-foot marble statue. Thomas, you know, as the pregnant man, quote-unquote, um, when did this come about? How did it come about? Just briefly tell me, and was which pregnancy was that? Was that the first pregnancy or was it uh, after that? Gosh, you know, um, that was my first pregnancy, uh, a sculptor, Mark Quinn, uh, from the UK, he contacted me and um, flew his crew out to my home, and did, they—it's kind of like doing the wax sculptures yeah. and stuff. They—they they yeah. have to measure pinpoints all over your body and put you on yeah. like a little pedestal and turn you and take pictures. And it was kind of uh, you know in depth, but it was pretty cool, you know. That's so, fucking awesome. I'm, That's a pretty cool. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. I mean, that is amazing. How many people can say that there's a a ten foot marble statue. I mean, come on, that well, is like. I mean, it's awesome, Thomas. That is so. That's so cool. And cool, I. Yes, yeah, very cool. Okay, so moving on. 2012, you decided to have the lower <laughs> surgery to complete your metamorphosis mm-hmm. as a man. Describe the surgery a little bit. How does it take place? I mean, basically, you have a penis now. You know, does it get hard through arousal, or is there a little pump? Do you have balls? Like, what? Talk to me. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no, seriously, um, like, gosh. this is very raw. I want you to just, you know, t- this is what people want to know. Like, what is the surgery like? What is, like, how does this work? Like, what, describe it. You know, a lot of people have been critical of me openly speaking about this. Like, why do I have to use, why do I have to say penis on Oprah and stuff like that? Why can't I just keep it to you myself? You could say because cock it's my on private. Dr. Zoe today. You could say cock and balls oh, if I you can want swear. to. Oh, you can swear okay. all you well, want, babe. All you want. You know, the thing is, this is interesting, and a lot of people do want to know this. And it's it's about, you know, just discovering more about the human body. And I'm sure a lot of people deciding whether or not they want to do also want to hear about it. But, um, right. yeah, the surgery, I, I wrote a book in 2008, and I, in the book I said I didn't want to have surgery. And I didn't because I didn't feel like I needed to do that because a lot at of people say, well, at that time, we're yeah, all why ever evolving. When are you going to be right. a real man and go through the full surgery? It's like, well, first of all, you don't need to do that. As long right. as you are man enough inside, then that's what you are. You don't need to have any surgery whatsoever. For me, I wanted to have a chest surgery because that was just such a an right. obvious, obnoxious thing in my way, you know. So I wanted that gone, and that made me feel good. And for the lower part, you know, I'd, I'd given birth um, three times, and I thought, okay, I'm done, and uh, I'm back on my testosterone, and I'm just like a typical guy. I wanted extra length. I wanted to have a more satisfying sex life, and I thought I researched the options, and Dr. Marcy Bauer, I had spoken to her before, and so I met with her, and, and that was what I did. I decided I'm just going to just give me that extra inch, and so... I did. I, I went through the surgery, and it was um, called a ring metoidioplasty, where um, just from doing hormones, my <clears throat> my previous female part had grown, and it looks exactly like a penis, you know, okay, so and it doesn't large. With the hormones? So with the hormones, your clit mm-hmm. grew into a penis, basically, or kind yeah. of. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's a, just a fun-sized penis, you know. Okay, okay, so basically huge, when you right? take... When you take male hormones as a female, your clitoris, which has been known to be, you know, like a miniature penis, we have all the same mm-hmm. nerve endings and things like that, it grows 
and it's kind of like right. a little fun size penis, like a snack size candy. Yes. Okay. Right. So then exactly. you did, okay, so you already had that through the hormone therapy, the hormones that you were taking, mm-hmm. and then you decided you wanted to get a little bit more. Is that what right. am I? Okay. I got greedy. So, I wanted okay, more. Okay, so you want a little more. So when you get aroused, and so you don't have balls then, no te- no testicles, correct? Well, they they just they haven't descended yet. I'm certain they're there. They're, okay, you know, so they're there. But, uh, okay, just like a puppy. When you get a puppy, and it's a male, mm-hmm. the balls don't drop for a while. So you're in process right. of getting balls. Okay, correct. all right. So they right. haven't descended yet. Gotcha. Okay, right. now the penis. When you get horny and you're aroused and you're and you're currently in a relationship, um, does it get hard and erect? Like just like the clitoris, well, like it swells and yes. blood rushes there. So with the surgery, do you actually like get erect? Uh, to answer your question, yes, and it depends. It's it's sometimes it surprises me. Like sometimes it's hard as a rock. <laughs> and the the surgery, the surgery completed it for me in that um, I had tissue removed, like my inner labia uh, were removed, and. It was wrapped on the underside to create a fully functioning phallus where I could urinate um, from my penis. So nice. I don't pee from below, you know. But it's I had amazing. a amazing. It's so amazing. I know it is amazing. It is, um, but I, I still need to go back for a revision because uh, the skin graft failed. So I, I, I still have to sit right now because the uh, I want to get into it. But anyway, it's 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 still a penis. And when I do my hormones, it depends on you know what day in the week that I do it and when yeah. I'm getting aroused, but sometimes it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know? I have a thing! I have a thing! That's awesome. That's really cool. And so now you yeah. run around with the shirt off and your pants off sometimes, I hope. Well, anyway, okay, yeah. right, let's get back to the interview here. That's really, it's really interesting. I mean, it's very interesting. And honestly, like, I'm not trying to be a perv, but I'd love to see a picture of it if, you're, if your mate would be cool with that. I'm just, I'm just curious, but I can Google that, I guess. Okay, unfortunately, you're Well, going... I think they all look different. I, I do have a picture, but I don't, I don't know if I, I that well, this might show up I'll on TMZ. I don't number. know if I can we'll, risk we'll it. Keep that. I'm the confidential coach, <laughs> okay. Thomas. You'll, you'll, you know, I mean, hey, you know. All right, unfortunately, you're going through a divorce right now. I mean, you know, it's been a long process. Yeah. It's. You're going, you know, and I'm not, you know, there's always two sides to every story, so we're not going to go there. We're not going to, no, you know, talk just about one side. anything. But the fact of the matter is, and it's out there in the media, that you are going through quite a long fucking divorce. I mean, it's taking a while. Yes. So what are some of the hurdles? Like, because of the all the, you know, situation with the children, with the, you know, the quote-unquote, you know, sex change, what, all this stuff, like, what are some of the hurdles in the divorce? The hurdles, well, first of all, this is a long-ass divorce, yes. like you said, three years. I wouldn't wish this Crazy. on my worst enemy. I mean, yes. this, well, and, divorce, and this is... Divorce is tough as it is. I went uh, through one about a year and a half ago. I mean, divorce is, 
and this is what I do for a living. I'm a confidential coach to mostly high-profile men, and the majority of them are either have gone through a divorce or going through a divorce or they're trying to save their marriage. And so this is what I do every single day is talk about this stuff. And let me tell you, just for a straight couple, just for a couple with children or even a couple without children, divorce is never fun. It's always tough, even if it's amicable, even if it's, you know, it's still tough. It's very tough. So, I mean, they say divorce is like one of the worst things to go through. Yours has been dragging out for three years. Why such a long process? What's going on? Well, the, okay, well, mine's different because the we were going through a normal divorce just like anyone else, and partway through the process, the judge realized who he had before him, me. And uh, I popped up on his, on his Yahoo page, and he's like, oh, well, I'm a bigot. So I'm going to say you can't get a divorce, not in my court, you know. So basically that's what happened. He kicked it out. He said, this is a same-sex marriage. And my attorney said, oh, no, it's not. And so we fought it. And then uh, he he ruled and said, I'm not going to see it. My attorney's appeal, it went to a higher court, the Court of Appeals. And then a three-judge panel ruled on it, spanked the the lower court judge and said, no, you're going to see it through. So um, otherwise, it would have gone to the Supreme Court. It was an issue of constitutionality, you know, right to procreate. And this this judge was basically saying that I needed to be sterilized, you know, in, wow. in order to transition since I didn't and I had kids. And it, it was just pretty messed up. Um, okay. So it's back now to a lower court. So they have to issue the divorce. But what's stopping it right now is the, the process took so long, like the appeal took so long. And I, Nancy has the paperwork. She can sign it. I could be divorced tomorrow, but she's fighting for alimony. So it's just this painstaking process of constantly sending in, oh, you know, I ate a Red Robin. Here's the receipt. Oh, here's my bank statements. Here's everything. And, you know, the thing is I just right. don't have the millions don't of dollars in, that she I'm wants gonna stop. Me. I'm going to stop you. I don't want you to get into too many details I for your own protection. Okay. I do want to say this, yes. though. And I'm gonna and I have balls, but they're invisible. It's not that they're stuck up and they're not descended. It's not that I have them, but I do have balls. They're just invisible. You know, I don't know. I was born with them. I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you to be as honest as possible. And I appreciate you being so candid with me. You're amazing. So you have an attorney that takes on your divorce case pro bono because of your popularity in the media, of course, and who you are, which is an awesome thing. And I'm sure you're very thankful yeah. and grateful for that. But my oh, question, very much. I'm sure you are. But my question to you is this, and I want you to dig deep and just be honest with me. Do you think it's being drug out for reasons other than legal reasons? Is it to make it an interesting story? Is it to get more press? That kind of stuff? Are you, from my, from, from me? Right. I mean, do you You're think... You're asking why right, is it taking me, so long? Let me... Yeah, let me season it with this. Okay, so you have an attorney. Whenever there's a high-profile case, right, I, I have tons of NFL players as clients. I have tons of entertainment clients, you know, multi-platinum artists. Whenever there is a legal issue with a celebrity or a person that is known in media like yourself, okay, a lot of times things are over-exaggerated, they're drug out. Do you feel like this is being drug out for other reasons other than just typical legal reasons? No, th- this is all legal crap. I mean, okay. if if I could have been divorced three years ago, I would have done a quickie divorce. Not for I, you. I have, I'm not talking about for you. I'm talking about for the attorney that took it on pro bono. Oh, no. I mean, the, 
the court is doing it at their own pace. And this was all spurred on by the court making the decision, the, this decision. And, you know, they're the ones that caused all this conflict. I mean, I've been accused of staging my own divorce to get media. I mean, that, that just pisses me off. <laughs> no, I'm, I know that you want the divorce. I, I've talked to you as a friend before this, and I know you want the divorce. Um, and even though, and let's say this, too, for the record, even though you're going through a divorce, you still have a beautiful relationship with your three children. And go ahead and share, yeah. what are their ages right now? Well, Susan is now six. She's my firstborn. And um, Austin is five, and Jensen is four. They're all a year apart. Um, Susan and Austin are actually the same age for 21 days out of the year, or 20 days out of the year. And um, and uh, uh, Jensen and Austin are 13 and a half months apart. They are the reason I'm alive. They're, they're, they're the reason I, I'm here. They're my purpose and meaning in life. They're everything to me. They're why I keep on going, you know. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. And you're in a new relationship. Tell me how you met um, your new uh, girlfriend. You have a new relationship that you're in now. Yeah, her name is Amber. I've been together with her for three years now. I met her at uh, daycare. She used to be the director. And it's the, the school actually started taking the children, too. And um, things obviously were not okay. working with me at the right. time. Thomas, Thomas, out of curiosity yes. again. So this is, I'm sure, a very attractive female that you're with, Amber. Hi, Amber. Yes. Um, was Amber a lesbian or straight before you met her? <laughs> Come on, she, she's always... This is the shit <laughs> no, people want to know, baby. Okay. <laughs> I know it's very interesting. I this is I'm I'm intrigued by this because she's she's only been with men. She's only attracted okay. to men. Okay. And, awesome. Um, well, that says a lot about I, you. That says a lot about you. I didn't think. I see. See, I had a crush on her. I I was attracted to her. I just there's something about her. I just gravitated toward. I just wanted to be around her. You know, I just yeah. just to see her smile. You know, I didn't know what it was. I, cool. you know, I, I so moved it to a different you're level. But it, the relationship oh, I'm so is beautiful. Happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Congratulations I, I on that. Myself, I'm like, I was like, well, you know. I know that you're attracted exclusively to men and, you know, you have experience with men's parts and stuff. And I got different parts. I mean, they're, they're kind of like what you're used to. And like we said, they're fun sized and everything. <laughs> yeah. And like how are, how is she going to handle it? How is she going to deal with it? And, yeah. you know, she didn't know either. Um, she might've thought for maybe 15 minutes about it, but she ultimately she wanted to take a chance on me because she yeah. was attracted to me to just you, as a person. Yeah. And that's awesome. And because I'm, I'm her man, you know. Yeah. And when you're authentically yourself, you're going to attract, you know, something authentic. I think when, you know, and everyone has their argument, you know, oh, well, this isn't real, this isn't this, this isn't whatever. And you know that I'm also friends with Justin Jedlica, and Justin Jedlica is basically like a high percentage of plastic. But you know what? He's so himself. And I think when you're authentically yourself, no matter what it is, you're going to attract authentic people. And I love that you're just you're being so 
I really appreciate you being so raw with me and just being so open with me. Um, I've said it to you before, Thomas, and I'll say it again. You're like a unicorn of a human. <laughs> you know, you're very, you're a rarity. A pregnant unicorn. You're very rare. And you've, you know, you've used your life experiences to help others, which is huge because I believe all of us have a purpose in life to, you know, to do that and to use our, our own personal experiences to really make a difference in other people's lives and you know you've been an advocate for the LGBT community you've been an author you're a public speaker is this where you see your future headed is that you're going to pursue more of those types of things you know I would love to continue doing that just being visible because I think that is so important today unfortunately trans people are still very misunderstood you know, years ago, not many people were exposed to the topic, let alone knew someone trans. So I think the media is changing. You see a lot of people coming forward with their personal stories. And you know, as far as my situation goes, the idea of trans people reproducing has really thrown a lot of people for a loop. Right. I gave birth seven years ago, but, you know, it was a big shocker then. But today, you know, many trans people themselves are realizing, hey, wait a second, I can yeah. be the person I want to be in this life and have a family too. What yeah. a concept, you know? Yeah, not and only that, but really the about, general population is getting it. Really, like some of the questions I asked you about how you grew up and, you know, when you started feeling this way and things like that, it was at a pretty early age. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people out there that your story can really truly make a difference. And, you know, I applaud you for what you're doing. And um, I look forward to that. I look forward to hearing more about, you know, where you're headed. And um, I just think it's awesome, Thomas. I think it's really awesome. And I think that all of these things you've been through, if you can inspire and evoke change in other people's lives with it, I think you can make a huge impact on the world. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to answer your questions with Thomas, the pregnant man. Dr. Zoe Today is presented by Catapult Enterprises. Catapult has proudly certified over 1,000 life coaches worldwide. Our one-on-one life-changing certification process takes only six weeks to complete. No matter what your career, getting certified as a Catapult coach will improve your people skills and, more importantly, your clarity of purpose. Work anywhere, make money, and make a difference. Visit CatapultENT.com for more information. That's K-A-T-A-P-U-L-T-E-N-T.com or call 1-844-LIVE-VIP today. That's 1-844-LIVE-VIP. Okay, if you have a question about love, sex, or relationships that you'd like my guests and I to answer, you can click on the Ask Dr. Zoe tab right in the app or go to drzoetoday.com and submit your questions there. Thomas, are you ready to answer some of the listeners' questions? Bring them on. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. First question is, and we did put it out there that you were going to be on, and we kind of had a long interview. Do we do have time to get to a few of them? And everybody who writes in, I love you guys so much, and I'm so sorry we don't get to all of your questions, but keep them coming and keep listening and know that we love our fans and our listeners. All right. Jimmy writes in. He put, my name is, my name is Jimmy. I love your show. I'm gay, college-aged male, and I really want to have a sex change and have a vagina. My dilemma is I'm worried that the gay men I'm attracted to won't want to be with me anymore if I have a sex change. What should I do? Should I pursue my desire to be a woman? I'm going to let you go ahead and answer that first. Oh, well, that's a tough one. Um, well, he's probably not going to attract the gay men anymore because if he's female, he's going to have the men attracted to women after him. Right. I, think I don't that, know if he has anyone in particular in mind, but it, the dynamics change. You know, it's it's hard. And, you know, like with Amber, the, the woman I'm with, I would have never thought that she'd be with me, but she is. It depends on just finding the right person. And, you know, if that person truly sees you for who you are, your part shouldn't matter. Right, exactly. And, Jimmy, here on Dr. Zoe Today, we just really encourage everyone to be their authentic self. So I say go with what you feel is authentically you. Okay, Misty wrote in. Misty, my best friend recently confided to me that she's gay. It doesn't bother me that she's a lesbian. What what does bug me is she already has a steady boyfriend who's a youth minister, and she is living a lie. I'm afraid I might say something. How can I encourage her to do it herself? Well, I will answer first. I say you need to mind your own business. Um, it's not your place to say anything, but you definitely, as her friend, she obviously confided something in you and she trusts you. And just because she confided in you doesn't mean that she's ready to totally come out with this publicly. Um, it's a process. It's a transition. I would support her and be a loving friend, and I wouldn't say anything until she's ready because you need to take it on as a friend and know that she confided something in you because she trusts you. So keep that trust and that friendship and support her and let her do it when she's ready. What do you say, Thomas? Well, I I agree with you there. Um, it, It does. People evolve at their own rate. And maybe for her, she is in a relationship with a man. You know, you can have crushes on all kinds of people, celebrities, men, women, but it doesn't mean you have to act on them. Who knows? Maybe she'll stay with her husband. Okay. Know. All right. Next one is anonymous. I'm curious how to Thomas changed all his legal documents to mail when he had a vagina. What's not to prevent a masculine-looking lesbian from doing the same? Nothing. If you're identified as male, it, you know, you have to. Every state has their own requirements for for sex change, a legal sex change, and very few to none of them have a requirement to have lower surgery. They have an unspecified surgery um, to to transition. Some of them. Some places you don't need to have any surgery or hormone therapy at all. So it's, you know, the the different states need to kind of um, uh, meet up. And I don't know if someday it's going to be, you know, the same for everywhere. But for me in Hawaii, um, I had chest surgery, which was an unspecified surgery and uh, had hormone treatment. 
and was seeing um, a therapist. So that's what was uh, necessary for me to do the legal change. Cool. That's interesting. Thanks for answering that. And also the sterilization issue, you know, there's no place that says you need to be sterilized. That's interesting as well. Um, Renee writes in and says, my husband and I have been married for four years. I found out through a friend that he's been going to drag clubs when he says he's working late. I've already confronted him about it, and apparently it goes much deeper. Not only is he attracted to men, but he feels more comfortable as a woman. I'm so upset. How should I handle this? What do you say, Thomas? Well, um, there needs to be more truth and honesty uh, in the relationship. They need to be talking things through, obviously. Right. Um, You you can't have a solid foundation without up and and honest. Right, exactly. Communication is always key. And obviously, you know, if you didn't pick up on any of this, which would be very surprising, especially as a woman, Renee, that you didn't sense that something was off or different. Um, Obviously, if this is the case with him, then you need to look at what are the best choices for you. Um, you know, if he's attracted to men and he feels comfortable as a woman, obviously the marriage most likely isn't going to work out. Um, instead of trying to hang on and be in something that's, you know, basically he would probably only stay in because of guilt. Um, think about you as an individual and how is it going to make you feel, you know, if he just stays with you, you know, because he doesn't want to hurt your feelings or because you have a history or whatever the case may be. The best thing for you to do is to get, you know, some kind of counsel or encouragement or support and move on and be with someone who is going to love you for you and be friends with him and encourage him and, you know, there's no reason for it to be ugly. It's, you know, just him, again, um, being encouraged to live who he is and for you to live who you are as well and be with, uh, you know, if it's a straight man that you want, then you need to move on. <laughs> okay. All right. Tony writes in, and I could tell this question already. My program director puts these together. This is not the view of Zo- Dr. Zoe today. Tony writes in and says, the Bible tells us that people like Thomas are going to hell. It's obviously too late for him to be saved since he can't take back his female form, but how does that make him feel? So I would say, Thomas, I'm going to revise this question. How do people like Tony make you feel? <laughs> I just stick my fingers in my ears and go, la, la, la. Good, <laughs> I'm going good. to hell and I like it. Yeah, Tony, well, I don't believe that at all, okay? First of all. No, um, I don't either. All right, Tony, first of all, there's 38 different denominations of Christianity, Okay, so obviously no one can agree on fucking anything anyway. Okay, or there wouldn't be thirty-eight thousands. I'm sorry, it's thirty-eight thousand different denominations of Christianity. Um, you know, the Bible itself was derivated from writings, and there is some awesome basic Bible principles. And I completely understand, Tony, where you're coming from because I grew up Baptist. I went to Baptist school, Baptist camp, Baptist everything, and so I, I know the Bible front and back. I'm actually also later on in life became ordained. Believe it or not, my listeners, yes, I know there's a lot of people out there going, what? Anyway, anyway, listen, Tony, God is love. God is energy. And to judge 
other people that God has created is such a sin. It's about love. It's about acceptance. And it's time to evolve. It's time to look at the facts. Religion was formed to control the masses, and it hasn't done a good job because a lot of religious people are the most, you know, messed up people out there. So I would say look at where your religion comes from. Look at the fact that there's an Apocrypha Bible, books of the Bible that were taken out of the Bible. Look at the translation being lost between the Greek and the Hebrew of the Bible. Look at the things like that. Study world religions and get a little bit evolved. Okay, Anonymous writes in, how much did it cost for Thomas to have lower surgery and what was the recovery time like? Oh, boy. <clears throat> it it costs quite a bit. Um, it's you know, it can be ten, twenty thousand dollars for a surgery like that. The recovery time is insane. It's you know, thinking about the experience of pregnancy and birth, birth being like the worst in the entire world, uh, <laughs> in human experience. I mean, it it is the worst in the entire world in human experience. The surgery is a second. <laughs> it's it I wanna say it's above that, but it's not. Giving birth is definitely worse. It it was hell. I mean, it was Oh my God! It. I was in recovery for ten days in a hotel room by myself, and um, for months, it. I. I couldn't walk. It throbbed. It. Wow. I mean, you feel your heartbeat in between your legs, and every 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 neuron and, and nerve is on fire. I mean, it, it was just. Mm. It was. It was terrible. It was torture. Um, and I'm uh, gonna have to go it, through it how again. How long did it? How long did it take before you felt better, though? Um, I would say probably three months. Um, wow. it, I could uh, walk fine. Let me ask you and, a question. You know, I did have let me let me ask you a question for anonymous. Do you feel like it was worth it? Well, um, yes. Uh, I'm I'm not completely satisfied with the result. I think once once I have the revision, it'll definitely, I'll feel better about it. But, um, you know, it was a decision that I made. So the revision that you um, want to have, is it like on the, what would be like this bottom area or is it actually on the penis area? Is it like that you want uh, a bigger penis? penis area. Or is, so no, it's the underside. The, the skin graft failed. So there's, it, it's kind of cut, um, maybe about a centimeter and a half. So, when I pee, it doesn't go straight out. It goes, you know, kind of down. <laughs> so, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Is it the same when you ejaculate? Does it come well, out I don't ejaculate. Yeah. I don't have sperm, although okay. I might have one time. I don't know. Okay. It was that good. Well, hey, I mean, I, I squirt sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mean, females have, like, they some females squirt. Not all of us, but some of us do. Okay, right. Matt. <laughs> Matt writes in, I would imagine Thomas faced a lot of bullying after being all over the media. What was the worst thing, and how did he handle it? Well, God, do I really have to go there? The worst, okay, just being honest, the worst thing was the LGBT community not supporting me, and they still don't support me for the most part. Um, that's that's the worst part of that all of this. That surprises me. And I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know if it's politics or what. They, they thought that uh, the world wasn't ready for this, like they wanted the world to be introduced to Trans 101 instead of 601. You know, and um, say that again. <laughs> that was so good. They wanted the world to be introduced to Trans 
trans 101, not 601. That's hot. But you know what, yeah. that, you know what that means? That means you're light years ahead of everybody else. So that's really awesome. <laughs> and he has a fucking 10-foot marble statue, damn it. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Okay. So, all right, here's another question. Antonio writes in. He said, I'm a huge friend of Thomas Beatty. And after seeing his documentary on the Discovery Channel a few years back, it truly inspired me to live freely as myself. That's awesome, Antonio. No matter wow. what no matter what the ridicule. I continue to follow the latest updates on his life and I can't wait to hear his interview with you. My only question is in recent media, it seems like something has changed. Is Thomas going through something we don't know about and what are his plans for the future? Okay, so I know what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about. And I know yeah. that you, you know can't talk about. about it. Yeah, and you can't talk about no. it, but I can. And I'm not going to say too much, but I will say this. Antonio, what's going on in what the media portrays is pretty much bullshit. So you have to wait and hear the outcome. But I have total faith that, you know, that things are going to turn out good. And the person that you saw in that documentary and the person that you've been following is still the same person. You can't believe everything you hear in the media, and you already know that, Antonio. So I would just say that. Um, As far as what's next for you, he's asking what are your future plans? Well, future plan, get divorced still. That, that's that's what's on my plate. But just move on with my life. I can't wait. I, I've proposed to Amber. Um, I'm going to marry this woman, and we're going to have a nice wedding and, um, you know, just have a happy life, raise these kids to be good people. And I want to continue to, to speak publicly because I, I feel the importance of the visibility, you know, and um, just have a happy life. That's awesome. awesome. I really think you're going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And I want to thank you so much for being on Dr. Zoe today. And before we let you go, tell my listeners again where they can keep up with you, Thomas. All right. Well, you can keep up with me on definenormal.com. From there, I have links to my social media like Facebook and Twitter. And Dr. Zoe, I applaud you for having me on the show <laughs> and discussing these issues with me. You, you're pretty cool. You're Thank pretty you. cool, you know. Wait, I agreed pretty... to do the show because you're so freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like so freaking cool better than pretty cool. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate yeah. it. And I look forward <laughs> to keeping up with you and having you on again. And stay tuned because I have a feeling that Thomas and I are going to do some projects together. And check out CatapultENT.com. Catapult Enterprises, my company, sponsors the show. And I have a list of celebrity coaches. Thomas, I really want you to join my team on Catapult. Enterprises one day, so we'll talk about that later. But tune in next time for real, raw, relevant information about love, sex, and relationships.